Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, In and I are going to dive into the add to basket rate and revisit this most important KPI and add some new things to it that we've discovered recently. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hey, Mark. Very well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So today we wanted to revisit the add to basket rate. So it's one of the, obviously the start of the podcast when we first launched, we did one episode, two episodes on add to basket because it was like kind of one of the cornerstones of the book and what we were talking about. So if you haven't listened to that, you know, go and dive into that. But we, you know, things change and we think we started the podcast over maybe probably 18 months ago now, maybe even longer. Um, so we just wanted to add a little bit to that, you know, what's happened in e-commerce, what's affecting add-to-basket rate, um, and just just go over it really because I think it's so essential um, to get it right. Um, so, Andrew, why don't you just introduce add-to-basket for people that don't know about it, um, what it is, yeah. how we measure it, that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure, yeah. So add to baskets that it's it's often one of the most important things that we look at in the e-commerce growth. And essentially, it's it came about when we were trying to break down conversion rate. So we broke down the conversion rate into three things. And that was how many people added to basket, how many people went from basket to checkout and how many people went from checkout to order. And often when we met or when we meet e-commerce businesses that want to scale you often find that the 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 hardest stat to improve or the one that needs the most effort is the add to basket stat and it's it's the hardest one because it's there's there's a lot to do around it so just to put it in perspective if a site converts at say four and a half percent something like that where so an e-commerce business has got you know a good mixture of of repeat business coming through the door you know and sort of a say say it's a fashion business maybe they they maybe they've got buying twice a year and we'll explain why buying twice a year was important but the add to basket start on average is about ten percent so ten percent add to basket fifty five percent go from the basket to the checkout and when they're in the checkout eighty five percent of them buy and that's about bang on average. And mm. the first thing we always say to do is compare yourself against those stats and see, well, where is my add to, add to basket percentage? And then where's my basket to check out? And where's my checkout to order compared to that? 10, 55, 85. And if the add to basket stats low, if you think about that, it's just the funnel. It's, it's the basic metrics of e-commerce. It's how many people add to basket, how many people go to the checkout, how many people go and place the orders. That's dead simple. If the add to basket stats low, the the answer will be in the bounce rate typically, and the exit percentage. Essentially, it's where people where people go it's when they don't add to basket. Where do they leave the site? 
And that's why the bounce rate is really important to look at as well. And you'll find mm. often that if you have a low add to basket rate, the bounce rate will be high because obviously there's nowhere else for them to go. If you're an e-commerce site, we want them to add to basket. If they don't add to basket, it means they're leaving the site somewhere. So where they're leaving the site is then really important because that tells you where to improve and optimize. And the reason why we say look at the bounce rate rather than the exit rate is because it's the biggest bang for your buck because th- these 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 landing pages are like the power pages in the website. So if you've got a really high bounce rate on a certain number of product pages, for example, you know, it shows that they're the ones that you've got to then focus your attention on for your, your biggest return. And, it, and you always find that. You always find there's always the top 10 product page are bouncing really high. So to just give you an idea, and I'll shut up in a second, to give you an idea of where a bounce rate should be, on average, the overall site, e-commerce site, should bounce no more than 40%. Um, homepage, about 20, 22%. Categories, 50%. Product pages, 60 Mm-hmm. And so, so, so that, that bounce rate and add to basket rate is absolutely linked together. If you get your bounce rate down, you'll increase your add to basket rate. If you increase your add to basket rate, you'll increase your conversion rate because you've got more people in the funnel. Mm-hmm. That's that's where mm-hmm. it fits. Very very important, critically critically important to get it right. Because I, I often find you get the add to basket stack right rate good. The rest of it's easy because mm. you know the hard work is trying to find get the right product in front of the right people at the right time, and when they add to basket, when they add it to the basket, it's it's such a buying signal. They're much further down the road, and it's much easier to then convince them to buy it. Um, and and that you know that goes mm. you know well so if they get even into the checkout, you know they basically they're in the checkout they buy. Unless you take to the checkout too early, which we do find is a problem. Mm. Anyway, we're drifting off. Stop me. Okay. Well, so I think sometimes people get a little bit confused. They're going to have a look at their add-to-basket rate, and we're saying it's 10%, and then they're selling furniture, and they might see it's like 4% or 2% or lower. So um, you have to understand that the dynamics of your business is going to affect your add-to-basket rate. And we've tried to do some podcasts on those different industries to give you an idea of what your ad to basket might be around it so you know if you're selling something around kind of like 100 pounds 120 pounds maybe you know 200 dollars something like that and you've got a decent um, amount of repeat business then 10 percent is probably what you would expect but if you're in a business where it's just one off one sale uh, no repeat business uh, or you've got a very high average order value you might see it lower than that you might see it higher than that um if you, mm. you might see it higher than that if it's like really repeat and, and very low average order value. So we're just trying to give people a guide. But the most important thing is for you to measure it, find out what yours is, and then to try and benchmark it with people who are in your industry. And at the end of the day, mm. you're trying to make the add to basket increase. If you know what it is, then you can increase it. Yeah. You can make sure. And, and actually, it's, it's often you know, benchmarking against yourself is even even very, very important because, you know, if you if you're at a basket sat right now, let's say you're doing two million dollars, two million pounds a year and, you know, you want to get to 10 million. Well, you have to 
you have to look at your ad. You've got to look at what your ad to basket now is. You say, well, okay, I'm doing two million pounds now a year. So what's my ad to basket now? And what has it been over the last, you know, 12 months? And in order to get to 10 million, what does it need to be? You know, what do I, you know, and so how can I improve that? And actually, it might be how can I increase the traffic whilst maintaining the ads basket stat of 10 percent? Yeah. You know, but the answer is there. So you've got to know what it is because otherwise yeah. you don't know if you if you're improving or not. Yeah. And I think you know, one of my points that I've written down on the notes is how repeat customers affect that. It. It, it gives you such a tailwind on the ad to basket. Oh, yeah. right? If you've if you've got, you know, people coming back and buying over and over again, your ad to basket rate is just going to be propped up by by that. Whereas if, you've, if you're selling yeah. something like a shed, buying it once a year or once in 10 years, then, you know, it's, it's going to be it's going to be lower. So actually, I think there's three things that really affect the ad to basket percentage. The first one is the average order value. And the higher the average order value, the more of a considered purchase it typically tends to be because it's more money. And so you tend to find that the average order value is lower. And the second thing is the lifetime customer value. If you've got a really good lifetime customer value, so if you're selling something like contact lenses online, you know, they're buying the same thing every month. That means your ad to basket percentage is going to be huge. You know, it would be mm-hmm. like 20, 25%. It'd be massive because you've just mm-hmm. got lots of people coming back. But then the third thing is, is actually it depends on your traffic. So if you've got, so we, we had a client the other day that was doing loads of YouTube advertising, or not advertising, but had lots of natural organic traffic coming through YouTube. Um, mm. Or it was loads of blogs. So yeah. if you so we had a client selling gardening, um, you know, plants and stuff, and that was and that was loads of traffic coming through the, through to the blog, so that obviously affects out to basket. Mm. And what it would do is it would show itself in the bounce rate. So it's almost like you have to look at really the 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 non you know non kind of blog traffic. So look at, yeah. look at everyone who's landing on either your home category product, because really they're the, the three main pages people can land on is home category or product. Yeah. And if you look at those ones, you can, if we consider that these are potential buyers and look at these, look mm. at these, look at these pages and look at the percentage of people that land on these pages and what's your bounce rate and what's your to basket percentages, because that's what we really care about. So, you know, if, the, if you've got loads of people landing on the blog, um, then, you know, great in some respects because it's free traffic. But if it doesn't do anything, if it doesn't, mm. you know, there's got to be some reason. And obviously your goal there would be to get them to, to monetize it. Yeah, and I actually think that if you've got a blog that's driving a lot of traffic, that can drive, and it's on the same domain name, and obviously in Google Analytics, that can push your ad-to-basket rate down to artificially low levels. So what yes. I actually say usually is actually treat the blog as a separate website that's referring traffic so only when it refers traffic to the main website do you count that as a traffic visit otherwise you know you you might have thousands and thousands of visits on something that's great and you're getting traffic but only maybe a very small amount of those people are ready to buy so use the blog traffic to drive drive traffic but only count it as a visit to the website once someone has clicked off from the blog mm. otherwise you can be artificially low there's someone i'm talking about this morning yeah he's he got um sells linen online and um he was in a similar position he got lots of blog 
content, but it was pushing his ad to basket rate down to maybe look at the slightly artificially low, whereas actually it's probably okay. Um, and so you, you've got to be careful that you haven't got these kind of big SEO pages that get picked up for things. I mean, look at Brooke Tavener. Brooke Tavener gets picked up for like suit repair. And of course, a lot of people looking for suit repair aren't going to buy a new suit. But, you know, it's great traffic mm. to have because some of them do buy a suit eventually um, and it gets them in the mind. But it's not something that you, you, you know, you could, if you just had that traffic source, you'd think your ad to basket rate was like 1%, like really low. So you'd think, oh, you know God, what? That's really a really problem. good, it's, actually, it's a very good um, analogy that actually, because a lot of people are talking about SEO, you know, for e-commerce and think, right, I want to get loads of SEO. The problem sometimes is that the SEO traffic is not as motivated to buy mm. um, as obviously paid, you know, paid Yeah, you, you can get traffic, you can get traffic um, for the sake of traffic. I mean, it's, um, yeah, you know, we're not saying it's just wasted time, but it's mm-hmm. you, but all traffic. You know, some some traffic's more equal than others. What's the George Orwell? Yeah, you know, phrase. Yeah. All animals are equal except some animals well, more I equal remember, than others. I remember my first ever website. Remember when I left IBM and I set up that um, Body, Mind, and Soul website? I, I used to get um, tons of traffic for like free re- reflexology charts, and I was like, oh, brilliant! Free reflexology, free reflexology, loads of traffic. Yeah, but but I traffic. couldn't monetize it. I just couldn't do anything with it at all, and mm. it was just complete. It was a complete waste of time. Looking back, um, you know, yeah. what I should have been doing is is buying traffic and making it work at that point. So, I think the other thing for add to basket rate that's important that we need to understand, and we've we've hit on it quite a lot, is the product page is the main page a lot of the time people are landing on. Yeah. And if you start thinking about your product web page as a standalone website, as if there is no other pages on the website, so there's like no about us, no contact us page, nothing, no categories or something. And if that product page was a one page website, is there enough on that product page to convince the buyer to buy? Have you put enough information Mm. there? Because often I see, I mean, I get a lot, people sign up to the program, and I, you know, go and look at the, the website for them. And they say, and I say to them, well, what's the reason to buy from you? And they go, oh, it's because we, we care about our customers and we're a family business and all that kind of stuff. And I go to the product page and on the product page, there's absolutely nothing about proving that that is the case. It's basically, you know, a, a product template, uh, add to basket price, a little bit of information about the product and that's it. And if you think about the difference between selling online and selling in a physical retail store. So let's say you were going to go and buy um, a, a beautiful suit for Ian. Say Ian's going to get married. Ian's going to get married. I want a beautiful suit for it. So I go into a, a, a nice menswear store. I'm greeted by um, a guy who looks very dapper and he you know, says, oh, do you want a cup of tea? Whilst you kind of look at the bespoke suits or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things that have happened when I've gone into that store. First of all, I've gone into the store in a reputable place in maybe London. Maybe I've gone in Savile Row and I know Savile Row has got, you know, uh, uh, credibility. I've gone into the store and I've spoken to the guy. He looks like the right person. I want to, you know, look like him. He's got a very nice suit on. Um, the store smells nice. The other people in the store are people who look, um, you know, well to do. And so a lot of things have happened when I've actually gone to buy that product. So online, we have to recreate that. So people have the same experience. So, you know, the first question to ask, answer for a buyer is, is who they're buying from. Can they trust them? Or can I trust this person with And you've got to do all money? of this on the product page. 
Yes, you have to. That's yeah, the because... thing because you know, and the reason and the reason why is because a lot of the paid advertising channels now that you need to use to scale are product advertising, and so mm. they take you straight to the product page. They don't take you to the home page because on, because Google Shopping, for example, you can't. It has to go through to yeah. a product page in the in the main. Although there are slight exceptions to that, um, but you know so. And, you know, and, and often the product page is nothing. And, and I think before you before you even think about trust and credibility and conquering the anxieties and increasing desirability, convincibility, which is what you're going into, um, you've got to the product page can't be a dead end page. And what we mean by that is imagine if you are buying that suit for your wedding and you go into a shop and, you know, there's only one, let's say it's a navy blue suit. And you know you see this one navy blue suit in isolation. There's nothing else around it. You don't know. And you might go, actually, I really love. I I do like that navy blue suit, but I don't know. There might be another one that I like even more. I've got to see other stuff to make me convinced that that's the right one. Yeah. And so, and, and if you don't do what we call signposting and bringing in a, a and you'll see this on particularly on lifestyle, you know, home furnishing websites like Wayfair and and businesses like that they are really really good at this that you're looking for one particular product you land on that page from Google and actually they show you loads of other ones very similar to it and and lots of other signposts in different categories and they're very very good at that because the temptation if you don't do this the temptation to go back into Google to to is so huge that they just they went without even thinking they'll go back into google shopping back into google back where they were and then mm. you've lost them and what and that shows itself as a bounce i mean yeah. google knew this was happening when they, they changed google shopping so it opened in a new tab now because they knew yeah. that the bounce rate on google shopping was so high and if you really want to look at how at the most brutal analysis of your e-commerce store Look at the traffic that's coming from Google Shopping and look at your bounce rate and you'll go, mm. oh, my God, it is awful. You know, you'll find, you know, 85, 90 percent bounce rates. You go, oh, my God, this is, this is horrific. It just shows how hard you've got to work to get that bounce rate down on that product page. Mm. You know, mm. It really, really is. Because people are browsing, aren't they? The people are browsing, and, and you've yeah. got to think about like if it's like walking into that store, that suit store, and, and I'm it's completely empty store, and then I'm walking up to the counter, and the guy saying, "Here's your blue suit, buy it," and you're like, "Well, yeah. I'm not quite sure if I maybe that does look like a nice suit, but you know, do you have anything else?" And he'd be saying, "Well, yes, I've got. Do you want to see some other blue suits, or do you want to see some other pinstripe suits, or do you want to see some uh, other suits made in wool?" And you know, you, so that so therefore, I mean, what he's got to do, he's got to give me a better option than walking out back onto the street and going, "I'm going to go and look at suits in another store," which is exactly what Google Shopping is. It's the guy like going back to the high street and going in a different a different store. So you've got to show that you've got a selection, so they can have a buying experience that they enjoy on your store when they even though they're coming in through the product page because they've not come through your navigation so they don't know where it is mm -hmm. so therefore you have to say oh would you like to see other blue suits would you like to see other um you know pinstripe suits yeah. and that, et cetera, et cetera. that's like the most that's the that's the basic 101 of 
yeah. of product page optimization. It's and also it's actually to, to make sure that. Well, hang on. Wait a minute. Yeah. The 101. Wait, wait. Coming to that. Yeah. The 101 of the product page optimization in order to. I mean, basically, the product page optimization is all about getting the ad to basket start higher. Like, mm-hmm. forget product page optimization. What you're trying to. Why would you do a product page optimization or crow work to get mm-hmm. the ad to basket higher? That's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So the 101 of getting the ad to basket higher is make sure that that product page is not a dead end page. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing that people will will be looking for is is what else is there? Is this the mm-hmm. right one? And uh, I mean, we were doing this for for the guy who's selling Sonos speakers, and we were saying, well, you know, they need to see all the other Sonos speakers. You know, mm-hmm. where does that sit in the range? I want to see all of them. Is that the right? Is that the right Sonos speaker? So that's the first thing. It makes sure the product page is not a dead end page. And then, of course, you've got to build value. And that mm. is through convincibility or desirability. So if you're selling a problem solving rational purchase, it's about convincibility that that's going to get the job done. But if it's an emotional lifestyle product, like a luxury dressing gown for silk dressing gown for £700, that's about that's about desirability. Mm. And but, uh, yeah, and but it's also because you've got to you've got to do well. We're coming on job to be done. Yeah. What are you going to okay. say? Job to be done. Well, I've gone. I've forgotten about job to be done now. And I was going to talk about something else. <laughs> but like, oh, I was, go like, on then. Go for the it. job to be like. Say I was coming on to that 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 suit website and it's wedding. It's like see other wedding suits. You know, that's the job. It's not just about blue suits. It's like this is this suit is great for yeah. a wedding. Would you like to see other suits that we have for weddings? You know, if they if you know people are hitting that page with a job to be done. Yeah. So you say yourself think for children to keep children occupied. It's like, you know, um, this, this product's great for uh, keeping children occupied. Would, would you like to see other uh, uh, products that would keep children occupied or have fun or, or get people into art or all those kind of things? So you, you, you kind of can concentrate on the job or you can concentrate on the product. Um, so I think, I think that mm. the, the credibility as well is not just a case of you kind of rocking up and going, buy for me because I'm amazing. I'm a great person to buy from. You have to prove it. So you have to put, you know, credibility. And if you haven't got credibility in yourself, you can put like social proof to show that lots of other people are buying this product and people are happy with our service. You can say, you know, we've yeah. got you know, 20,000 people on our Facebook group and we've got this and, you know, like, how can you prove oh, that's basically, that you're getting the job the, done? The, yeah, people talk about user-generated content you know, or, or yeah. UGC. And it basically means it's social proof. It's going, going back to the old school days. User-generated user content is just social proof. And what is social proof? It's basically saying, here's a load of people like me who have benefited from this company. And that's yeah. what social proof, that's what user-generated content is. And what does that do? It just gives trust and credibility and it backs up what you're saying. And, yeah. and where does that fit in? Well, that reduces anxiety, doesn't it? So yeah. the first thing you've got to do, if you just think about the overall flow for a second, hang on. So you're on the, you landed on the product page. Obviously, we're assuming that you're Google shopping and you paid social ads and do it set up well, and you're bidding on products that you know you've got in stock and you know you've got competitive advantage and you've got your price points right. We're going to assume that's the case. So people land on the product. First thing you've got to do is you've got to you've got to show them. What, what this product is, it can't be a dead end page, as we just said. And then you've got to build value through convincibility or desirability. 
So convincibility that this product's going to get the job done and or desirability that this product's going to make you look awesome and feel amazing. And then you've got to you've got to back up. Then they start to once they fall in love with the product, they go, yeah, I want that. Then they start getting anxious and they start worrying about things They start feeling, well, who? Well, when's it going to come? You know, or, you know, is there a price much promised or, you know, how much is delivery or. Or do I trust this company? It's a massive one, isn't it? Do I trust mm. this? Who, who the hell are these guys? So they start mm-hmm. to like doubt it. Oh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Maybe I can get it better. Maybe I can find it elsewhere. Maybe I should go back into Google. And you, you've got to you've got to get rid of all of those anxieties, and you've got to you've got to smash them with great trust and great believability. And that's where the social proof comes in, and mm-hmm. user user generated content. And then you've got to think about why they might pause. You know what, what? What would stop them? You know what? Mm. Would, and, and often you find that you know the spontaneous buyer who knows what they want is they work at the top of the product page, and that and that's where the product page is. You've got to really you know, make sure that in those three places that we always talk about, where do the eyes look? They look at they look at the title, the image, and the and the outer basket button, and that's where you've really got to make those nanosecond you know decisions. So you've got to really smash the anxiety right there. And then, and then, you know, we're a big fan of these big, long product pages because if they want to scroll down, let them scroll down. Let them, you know, a methodical Ute buyer who wants to find out more information about this product will scroll down. And, and, and you keep everything open. You keep the reviews open and the FAQs open and you put the history and credibility and trust all at the bottom like you have on the homepage. You, it's, got to, it's got to be an awesome page. And remember, your job is just to get them to add to basket. And once you've added to basket, then you're on the next element of the of the journey, which is mm. essentially scarcity and urgency. Again, giving giving them a reason to act now, which mm. we could talk about in another podcast. But that's the overall flow. Yeah, and I, I think you've also got to realise that if you're selling something with a long sales cycle, maybe it's something that people need to consider a bit more because it's a big purchase and they can look around. The more you can do to put the ball in your court to follow up, the better. Because, you know, essentially people can't come and add something to the basket because they go, well, I'm, you know, that's a kitchen table. It's, it's a thousand pounds. So I need to I need to go and talk to my wife about that. And uh, she's not going to let me just kind of rock up and put a table in that badge without some discussion. Whereas if I was buying maybe some. I don't know, cushions or something like that, then I can probably just buy those because I know I can take the back. It's not, not, not a big deal. So, you know, if you're selling something with a, that's more of a considered purchase, the more you can actually get them onto your email list or Facebook group or something like that, the better, because then it means that you can control when you, you reach out to them again and give them more content and more conv- convincibility. So, you know, since we first recorded the first podcast, one thing we've got a lot in, uh, into a lot with is chatbots. So chatbots have been a very good way of uh, increasing the engagement of a product page and having the right chat flows to actually get the email address of someone on the product page. And although maybe on that visit, they might not add something to the basket, but it actually increases the amount of basket overall because the chat flow then works. It then feeds it into your mail system and then they get the, um, the you know, your first kind of welcome series email. And then a lot of them, you know, we're teaching a lot of people to kind of do those conversation starter emails, which are working really, really well. And people are actually selling a lot more because the ball is in their court for, for, the, for the sale. They control it. 
and they can control when they can go back to the customer. And the customer's almost like saying, well, I'm here to be sold to, you can sell to me, but you know, they're opening the window and they can do, you can do that. Um, so that's those kind of things and those kind of automations are gonna really affect the add to basket rate. Because if you don't have them, you'll affect, you'll, you'll either sell to them on that day or you won't, you won't have anything coming back. And you can see that in Google yeah. Analytics. If you've got a very big skew towards first day sales and then nothing comes back ever again, and that's because you've, you, you've probably got a lot of people who would have bought had you kept the ball in your court. So that's very important. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, you, you, I mean, that kind of goes into the whole remarketing and keeping the keeping the conversation open goes goes into all the whole all of the stats, doesn't it? Add to basket, basket, check out, check out to order, mm. you know, the whole the whole lot. But you've got to remember that, you know, pe- people can take weeks, months to make the decision yeah. to go and buy even a cushion, you know. Mm. Because they like, you know, it's a nice experience on the phone, and you know, having, you know, in, in bed, and it's quite an addictive, very addictive thing, isn't it? You know, and you know, and and like, like say, you you've got to you've got to keep in the mind of that of that customer. You well, know, you've got to um, go through a process. You've got to go through with every product that's sold. Everybody has to go through a certain process for that product. They have to like be convinced that it's for them. They have to see other people using it. They have to be convinced that that can be delivered. It's going to be, you know, they're not going to get um, buyer's remorse. So all these steps you need to go through and you have to take people through that process. And sometimes you can't do that just on the product page because the product page is, you know, it's a static website with a bit of dynamic content, maybe some videos and things like that. But, you know, you might have to have other things around it, like a Facebook group or an email sequence or um, Facebook ads and, you know, with, with more content to convince them that this is the right one for them. So, you know, as you think about the product page, as the standalone website, you've then got its kind of salespeople out there helping the sell along to make sure that mm. they come back and buy it, add to the basket. And they all have to be sequenced together to make it all work together so that everything's um, uh, uh, connected. Like I was talking to a, a guy yesterday and he sells great products, um, but he's got some assets. He's got some assets. He's got a big Facebook group of, of owners and he's got his uh, Google ads running and they're not connected. So, you know, he's got all these customers posting great pictures of them, of the product they're using, but it's not connected to the prospects. And so, you know, those prospects are not going through the process of talking to the, you know, existing customers and seeing how wonderful it is and what they can do and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's a product for about one thousand two hundred US dollars. So it's a considered purchase Uh, and it's, Mm. it's linking all those things up. So everything talks to each other. And so you've got essentially an e-commerce funnel that actually makes sense and works and puts people from point A, which might be a very lukewarm customer, to someone who's red hot. And that's the process you've got to link up together to make it all work around the product page as as the um, the important page where people take the action to move forward. Yeah, it's true. I think, um, you know, there's a, there's certain bits on the ads basket stat, which is which is about getting the getting the layout of the product page right, and you know, and that's the easy bit. You know, you have your spontaneous stuff at the top, you have your methodical stuff underneath, you can keep it all open. But then there's something else the ads basket stat as well that you that you've got to take ownership of this, and you've got to monitor this. And you've got to go well, okay, if you know if you know why is it that 
85% of everybody who land on these five product pages that happen to be, you know, in my top 15 of all landing pages. Why is it that these all bounce at 88%? You know, what the hell is wrong with it? Mm. You know, something's wrong there. And it might be that, you know, you go to that page yourself and just go, well, what is it? Is it is it that the, the images are crap or is it the price is too high or is it that it's not clear you know which which options i need here or is it is it that the delivery isn't showing or what is it just put yourself in that in that mm-hmm. mind because it's sort of is like there no, 50% no reason is, to buy today there's no reason well, to buy today yeah. is obviously a big one as well or you can't find the i mean you know it's sort of you know a lot of it is about basic business you know commercialness um, yeah. You know, and, and a lot, and then the rest of it is about actually following the e-commerce best practices that we talk about, and yeah. you know, making sure it's not a dead end page, making sure we add to baskets above the fold, making sure the stock declaration is clear, making sure you're killing anxieties. You know, the biggest thing, put that by the add to basket button, open all your tabs out, all those sort of things. Like we can do those, and they're all just simple stuff. But then there's there's other things that you've got to do in the business. You know? Yeah, it's business design, and we right. did a, we did a podcast on business design, and I think that's very very yeah. important. And I was I was talking to another lady um, this week, and she was and and she, her sales haven't been going very well. She's trying to sell some kind of supplement for skin, and you know she'd been pitched to by some agencies in the UK, and they were trying to charge, well they were charging like twenty thousand twenty five thousand pounds or so for a Shopify website. And I went to the proposals, and I was, and they were trying to argue that oh, it's because you've not got this widget on the website and you haven't got SEO traffic and you haven't got this stuff. And I was like thinking, this isn't going to fix the problem. The fundamental problem is is business design of the offer of the product and what she's what she's putting together and how it's working for the customer. That's what's wrong with the business because essentially if you have the right offer and you have the right product and the right business design, people will fight through a crap website to buy the product. Yeah. They just will. If it's right, yeah. but you know you, what? You, it's you... always that. It's never mm. the bloody website or the mm. technology. It's always the business design. You know, that's where you get the biggest game changes, and it's stuff that you can do right in front of you. You just need to set it up right, know where to look. Yes, mm. of course you can. Once you've got that right, then you can make sure you know the website is optimized. But you must never ever start thinking about crow or website optimization you know first until you know you've got always yeah think about business design yeah and the idea that you could rock up to an agency and them to be able to fix that for you it's just nonsense because all they can Mm. do is put a website together with the best practices and make it look good and all that kind of stuff they can't do the basis of the business design because that's in your that's in the the person who runs the site that's in their hands they need to understand what they're selling why they're selling what market they're doing how they're going to approach it what the offer is and all that kind of stuff and so you shouldn't really be i mean add to basket is important but obviously add to basket is very it is is a fundamental thing that we talk i mean people, some people you know doing two million three million ten million you know you, you tweak it but if you're starting at the beginning and you've got no add to basket at all um then fundamentally you might have a business design problem so you've got to start there and the best way to start there is to find a model that's working. Find someone else who's, who's got it working. Find their offer. 
doesn't have to be in the same country as you go and go and find something that works because that's essentially if you can if you can clone somebody from a different country that's working well you can save yourself all the headache of actually finding out what works mm. so i think yeah. i guess i guess that what we're saying is this caveat to all this add to basket stuff which is very very important is that fundamental your business design needs to needs to be working like if you've got an add to basket rate of zero it's going to be very difficult to um you know to change it because you might have something fundamentally wrong mm. but if you've got an add to basket rate of of four you could you can you could use this thing and get it up to six seven and you could do really well but you have to have the um the inkling of something it's like when people come to me for adwords work and they've not got any sales at all they're like the worst accounts because it's like there might be something fundamental that's wrong with the website and the business model that means it's just never mm. going to sell whereas if they come all, to me and they say all, all things got, yeah yeah all things in e-commerce all the all the things that we that you can do they should all be there to polish what's already there mm. you know you can't make an e-commerce business successful by having great technology you make an e-commerce mm. business successful by having great business design mm. and that's as fun i don't think it's ever going to change you know you can't convince somebody to buy something from you because you've moved the add to basket button above the fold you know, that's not going to that's not going to work but it's, yeah. it's the right thing to do if you if you've got the business design right you know and and that and that is that's the caveat to everything everything that anyone could ever say in e-commerce including here's, us. here's a question here's a question for you though those agencies that go and pitch those websites do you think that they know that the website's not going to make a difference or do you think that they are as ignorant and they think that actually what they're going to do is going to work do you think they actually don't understand well, I think that they can get quite myopically focused in their bit that they're doing. Yeah. And and I'm not, you know, and there's obviously some fantastic conversion rate studies out there. And obviously we talk about them all the time. But you have to take a step back and you've got to look at the bigger picture. You know, and I, I often laugh at conversion rate optimization when you read you know, things who've you know, or they change the add to, color of the add to basket button from from you know green to yellow, or they've changed the button that says check out securely and and stuff that we've said, Mark. You yeah. know, but it's like it that you. But it, it's polish. It going to make it's a job difference. It's not business It's design. polishing it. Yeah, yeah it's mm. polish. It's when you've got a site that's starting to scale, and you want to then grow it, and it's essentially. You know, it's how it's how you can buy traffic profitably and obviously conversion rate is the key key well conversion and average order value is the key driver of that if you can get the conversion rate up it means that you can get more money out of the same advertising spend you can get a better return which allows mm. you to then spend more um profitably and the first thing to do with conversion rate is to look at the add to basket stat basket mm. to check out and check out to order and you know, and see where you're at. So some businesses you might find that add to basket stat is okay, but the checkout basket to checkout stat or the basket to order stat is really low, and that can be where people leave things in the basket like a dumping ground. And you mm. and you can find that with with sort of lower value home furnishing products like cushions and throws and vases and stuff like that. They leave things in the in the basket to then come back later to or to eliminate it. Mm. and mm. you know that's quite interesting too 
you know, well, one thing that I would say, just going back to some of these points, was that what I do find is if you've got someone who's been successful in e-commerce with one site or maybe two sites and they're very similar, they then tend to see all e-commerce through the same focus. So, like, mm. I, I, we've seen this with people we've employed and people we've talked to, like, they'll go, then they've worked for, like, the guy who worked for Bowdoin. And Bowdoin was, you know, a certain website. And then he worked, went and worked for the Kitchenware website. And he tried to do what he did to Bowdoin for Kitchenware, but Kitchenware was completely different to Bowdoin and it didn't, it didn't work. So I think that's the mm. danger is that if you've had success in one thing or the agency you're talking to has had success with one thing, you have to be very careful that they don't see every e-commerce site and every e-commerce business model in the same vein. So they might be... Yeah. You know, those people who were pushing SEO as the solution to this lady's problem might have come from two or three businesses that are absolutely smashing it on SEO. And they think that's that's the way everybody should do it. And that's well, why it, yeah. it should be done. And there's a there's a there's a want for people in e-commerce to think that every site will work. If it's the same mm. it's, and it just doesn't work like that. You know, if you imagine if you're walking down the high street, every shop in the high street is designed differently. You know, if you go into, yeah. you know, a, a, a shop selling bloody hardware tools it's going to be very different to a shop selling beautiful silk dressing gowns totally yeah. different experience everything you know totally different things will work yeah so it was online it seems to think that everyone can have the same website and it's and the if, same, you, you know, if, if, if it's like i've got um a friend of mine runs the fishing store if i got him in a room with someone who runs the dress store um uh, uh, or even even like the the home decor store put them in a room together, they would think each each other was a complete idiot because they would be both yeah. focusing on completely different things and they'd be like, yeah, no, no, you exactly. don't run an e-commerce site, you do it like this and you do it like that because they see it through completely different uh, well, look lenses. At, look at, so, okay, give you an example. Look at stuff like the quick view on the on the category pages. Mm-hmm. You know, people go, oh, great, it's got the quick view on the category pages. It means that they don't have to go, to the, go through to the product page. They can just see it quickly on the category and they can buy it. Like that can be the worst possible thing to put on your website Mm -hmm. because if you think about it, you've got a product that maybe people buy once or twice a year. You know, maybe it, it, you know, maybe it is a silk dressing gown, you know, and it's 500 pounds. And you think they're going to buy from this tiny little image on the category page. The last thing you want to do is do a quick view little pop-up thing on the category. You want them to go into the product page to see the wonderful imagery and mm-hmm. all the amazing testimonials and reviews and you ask questions and the beautiful close-ups and the detail and all those wonderful things. If you, why on earth would you want to put quick view or quick buy on the category? And, it, mm-hmm. and it's not just my opinion. It's that we've split tested that. And it, 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 I mean, one example, it was 30%. It was a fashion, men's fashion site, 30% loss of conversion mm, by having huge. quick view, quick buy on the category page. But if you are, if you were selling groceries and, you, you know, people are coming back and buying the same thing every week or you're a B2B business and they're buying the same stuff. Yeah. Quick, quick buy on the category page. Brilliant. It's going to increase mm. conversion rate. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Anyway, I think we've waffled on for long enough for these poor people. Um, Thank you very much for listening to uh, our podcast. 
Um, very happy that so many people have chosen to uh, take us on walks, take us to the gym and all over the place. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's an honor. Thank you very much. And um, we'll speak to you next time.